I'll give you 50 grand. 50 grand? I gotta chase you down for 1,200. Forget about it. No, 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 Jack, please. Jack, just, Jack just... nothing. Forget about it. What else you got? God, I got nothing. This is it. If you don't find this guy, I'm out of business. Eddie, I'll do it for 100,000. 100,000? Are you out of your mind? This is an easy gig. It's a midnight run, for Christ's sakes. Folks, welcome to episode 27 of Man Cave Movie Reviews, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. Today we'll be talking about Midnight Run, starring Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Yafet Kato, and Dennis Farina. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me in this stellar review is my good and dear friend, Mark. Why aren't you popular at the Chicago Police Department? Slover! Yeah, hey. Yeah, hey, everyone. I can say hello in a lot of different languages, Steve. Not yours, but a lot of them. <laughs> nice. Very well done. Love it. All right. And also joining me is my other good and dear friend, Jeff. I'll stab you in the heart with a f***ing pencil. Muncie. Steve, no offense, but shut the f*** up. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Uh, I don't know about you, but this is probably one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. Um, at least it's definitely up there in my top five. I will watch this movie any chance I get. Uh, made in 1988, directed by Martin Best. I have to qualify this, or I should say, I have to classify this as probably one of the great buddy movies. I think next time you see a movie like this where you have two guys that uh, really clash but end up bonding in the end is probably Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You've got two people that are so diametrically opposed to each other and end up becoming very good friends at the very end. Love this movie. Basically, the plot, we're going to get in the plot real quick. Robert De Niro plays a bounty hunter, and he is the type of bounty hunters that essentially work for bail bondsmen. They go after guys that jump bail, and the bail bondsman hires them to go out and get these guys so they don't have to pay the full bond. So that's basically what he's doing, and essentially Charles Grodin, God, Charles Grove. I'm sorry, Robert De Niro was a former Chicago police officer that ended up having to retire or quit the force in disgrace because he was framed by a mafia boss. And that whole story kind of comes around later in the movie. But he's he's given a job to go get uh, Jonathan Mardukas, who is played by Charles Grodin, uh, an accountant who embezzled money from Dennis Farina, who was this mob boss. And he's he's basically going to go out and get this guy and bring him back to the bail bondsman. He's got to do it. Finds out that Charles Grodin is in New York. The bail bondsman's in L.A. He's got four days to go from L.A. to, uh, or I'm sorry, four days to go from New York to L.A. And uh, it's quite an adventure. I'm not a big comedy fan. As I've mentioned before in these in these shows, not a huge fan of comedies, but this is definitely one of them that I still after all the times I've seen it, watched it again for the podcast. It took me three hours to get through the movie because I was, you know, getting clips and just laughing hysterically at stuff that I had completely forgotten about. That's my two cents. I'm going to kick this one over to uh, my good and f- dear friend, uh, Mark, and get his thoughts. Yeah, Steve, it's a fun movie. Um, I remember seeing it in the theater when it came out. A, it sounded appealing because you had some great actors. I'd always enjoyed Charles Grodin for the type of character he plays. He pretty much plays the same type of straight character, but he does it so well. His acting in this movie is so nuanced. Uh, You really have to watch him and his expressions when you hear his delivery to enjoy it. It's a road trip movie. It's a buddy movie. It's all of those things. I think what makes this movie a lot of fun is you see Robert De Niro really outside of the norm for him, the type of roles he takes, and he proves that he can do comedy. And do and he does it well. Uh, I think the other aspect that really makes this movie stand out are all of the supporting actors that are in this movie and do such a great job. From Yafit Koto or Kato or John Ashton, who plays Marvin Dorfler, Dennis Farina, Joe Pantaleone, uh, M O U S E, who plays Eddie. Who wasn't he in? Um, wasn't he in the Matrix? Wasn't he? Yes, the, yes, he was. He was, he was the, the traitor. He was uh, Cypher. Yeah, yeah. He was the traitor who turned who who ratted him out. It's a fun movie. There are a couple things with it that I, I 
that drive me a little batty, and they have nothing to do with the acting or most of the script. But all in all, it's a lot of fun, and I'm glad we're doing this one. Mr. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Out of due respect for my uh, fellow colleagues here, I am going to actually um, reserve full comment because I understand that you two enjoy this movie. I do not want to launch into this movie. To follow up with Mark, this movie does some things very well. And what it does well, um, I don't think there's enough Dennis Farina on the screen. I don't think uh, – I, I think the times that Kodo is on the screen – in my opinion, steals the show. I, I love his um, his character in this movie. I love him on the screen. Uh, as the movie progresses, I just love how he gets angrier and angrier and angrier. And uh, you know, just his presence. Uh, it, it's it's the times when I um, I wake up and I'm watching the movie again. You know, it is some of the side characters. Uh, one of my favorite actors because he plays usually such a shady slimy character is uh joe pantalonio yeah and the guy that wrote the movie is georgia is it uh, is a gallo who's sort of buddy ship for um joe pantalonio he's been in um robert uh, gallo who wrote the movie also wrote the bad boy series and casted uh, joe in that series too but I, I really enjoy a lot of the supporting characters guys i gotta say when i'm watching de niro and Groden on the screen, at, at times for me, it's a giant snore fest. I have seen this show in passing in my life. I've never sat down to watch it. And to me, De Niro is De Niro, and he's exactly what he plays in countless other movies. He plays a straight guy with you know some comedic lines and scenes. I get him. I, I get the humor. But I, I really feel that this is 48 hours rehashed six years later, and 48 hours does it much, much better. And I just don't feel that the two of them, you know, Groden by far, I think, actually outshines De Niro. I just find De Niro's character very, very card. I don't want to say cardboardish, but just you've seen it time and time and time again in the movies. And and maybe it's because it's you know 2012, but I, I'm just not. I, I've seen this before. Pick your movie, and I've seen De Niro play De Niro, and I just wasn't too impressed with it. I, I'm just curious. The thing with De Niro, and I understand what you're saying, you know, De Niro doesn't have a lot of depth. He's a great method actor, but he doesn't have a lot of depth. He plays the same guy all the time. Right. Steve, I'm trying to find a way to quantify this with with this uh, with this podcast in the sense of it's De Niro is De Niro. It's not any worse than his usual portrayal. It's not any worse. I don't think he's really mailing it in. I don't think he's 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 not invested in it. But to me, it's just the same character. Um, I, I don't get anything different, and maybe that's why he was typecast in this role. You know, Groden playing the—I don't know—the you know his conscience throughout the movie. You know, it 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 was humorous at times, and, and I've heard you describe this movie to me, and you, and you know, you and Mark have both said you know talked about the movie and given it high praise, and I, so you know I didn't I don't want to say that this was built up too much. I don't want to say I went into this expecting a lot. It was just when I watched it, I just thought you know. It's not a terrible movie, but it's it's not. Again, I've I've seen Forty Eight Hours, and I think it was this is a, a came out in eighty eight, and Forty Eight Hours came out in like eighty two or eighty three, and six years later, and I I just got the feeling that it was trying to capture the essence of Forty Eight Hours between Nolte and um, and Eddie Murphy. There was just something that about this movie that just didn't work with me with the two main characters. Now again. The supporting actors, I thought, just added some great flair to the movie that I really appreciated. And I liked watching them on the screen. But I just I just kept waiting for the, 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 the interaction between De Niro and, um, and Grodin to really just, I don't know, just really strike me. And I just didn't. It just didn't happen for me. Well, that's interesting because I, I thought their interaction was pretty great. And again, I think part of it was a classic, uh, you know, straight man versus the funny man. Although, mm -hmm. basically, when you think about it, both of them were kind of straight. I mean, Charles Grodin wasn't like the uh, – I mean, he wasn't like Eddie Murphy going, you know, ho, ho, ho. You know, I mean, he – they were actually kind of like two straight guys playing off of each other. Neither Agreed. Neither were actually kind of playing a comedic role. It was just how they kind of both played off. I mean, they both almost had kind of the same personality, but they just annoyed each other. 
and it was just, well, it was more of Groden annoying him. I don't think Groden was really annoyed by anything other than the fact that he was going to go to jail and get whacked by the mob. Again, I mean, I think it's just how, you know, how people see things differently. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued and surprised by your uh, reaction to that because, like I said, I thought this was one of the better, the better buddy movies and one of the better things. I, to me, the 48 hours was, to me, those literally just, one step shy of the Three Stooges, which actually one of the actors, the guy that plays Mar- Martin Dorfler or Marvin Dorfler, actually was the uh, he was one of the cops in uh, Forty Eight Hours. And like I said, to me, Forty Eight Hours was almost more slapstick. This movie reminded me. Well, I shouldn't say reminded me because it didn't come out yet. But when I saw Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, it reminded me immediately of this movie. See, that's interesting because. I don't get this movie. Not not at any point reminded me. And I tried to think of other buddy movies, and the only one that I could think of, and I just it, it's the one that hit me was Forty Eight Hours. I thought they're, they're trying to capture the essence of Forty Eight Hours here with these two people that are clashing, but got to be together for whatever reason. Um, and I and and I find it funny that you you don't in this movie you don't see the Three Stooges aspect of it, especially in the multiple times that De Niro pulls the "Hey, look over there," and then <laughs> punches the guy. Okay, you know I. Okay, yeah, you got see, it. I, yeah. I, I guess, I guess my perspective was, that's what I got from this movie. It was a lot of, okay, oh my gosh, we're in this bad situation, and then the cavalry doesn't run in. Who runs in? Um, Marvin runs in, or whoever the dude was that was the other bounty hunter that was, um, that was, you know, ch- trying to also get. Uh, it's Marvin Dorfler, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was Marvin uh, Dorfler. It was just like every time these guys find themselves in a corner, some ridiculous situation allows them to get out of it. Either a sniper decides to take on the the entire police department, or got the two mafia guys that capture him, and here comes Marvin, you know, with a shotgun. I mean, it's just like every situation is like, oh well, you know, they're they're getting out of this in some corny way. Usually, getting out of it by, hey Marvin, look over there, and Marvin would fall for it every time, and it's just except the time it counted, except the time that it counted, you know, and then and then Marvin's, you know hitting him with a car door. And it was that type of humor that I did feel was very three stoogish. And you know, and yeah, I can see that in forty eight hours, absolutely. But and that's why I guess I felt that this was kind of a not a carbon copy, don't get me wrong. It was just trying to capture the essence of it. I don't think this is a bad movie. I'm I'm I don't I don't rate it bad. It's not deep blue sea level or anything. But Thank you. Um, it's, you know, we, and we know where Deep Blue Sea ranks for me. For the listeners who don't know, Deep Blue Sea, if you had a one million list of movies out there, Deep Blue Sea for me is, if there's a bottom, this is, this is like, you know, sub levels below bottom. It's, it's the worst movie in the history of movies. And I think at some point in the future, we're going to talk about one movie that is very close to Deep Blue Sea for me, but we'll get to that here in a few weeks. You but, know what happens when Jeff sees Deep Blue Sea? If he's like flipping through the movie channels and it comes across and all of a sudden he pops on there and Deep Blue Sea is on, this is what you hear. <laughs> I that's just to give you an idea of how much he hates that movie. Steve, when I when I see Deep Blue Sea on AMC, also known as American Movie Classics, okay, I can't tell you how many TVs I have put my foot through um, out of protest. It just it just incenses me. But anyway, oh, got me fired up. Oh, um, anyways, back to the movie. I guess I can see where you're coming from. I be honest with you, I never even made the 48 hours connection on this. Mr. Mark, what do you think? I don't think it's one of the better comedy movies ever made. Um, I enjoy this movie. It's not one like you. You'll you'll stop and watch this. This is not one of those. I mean, I enjoy it. If it's on, I'll watch some of it. It's it's a fun movie for me. I enjoy watching the interplay between Groden and um, and De Niro. I know what I'm getting with both of those actors. I enjoy both of them in the roles. That's fine. I, I think that what makes this movie very successful for me are the supporting actors and the cutouts too. The Yafit Kodos, mm-hmm. uh, the Dorflers, all those other guys and, and their intrigues. Uh, helped me really enjoy this movie more. And I think if it had been just the two of them with less time with the other supporting actors, it would not have been as enjoyable. Is it one of my all-time favorite comedies? No. Do I enjoy it? Yes. 
do I see a lot of plot holes? I mean, don't look too closely at this movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of Duex Machina contrived issues to drive the plot forward. We want to just get to the next vehicle. Okay, we can't get in the airplane, so we're going to go to the train. Well, we got off the train. Now we got to get to a car. And how we get there, don't look too deeply at those those issues of, huh? You know, you kind of scratch your head if you dig into it. And, and there are a couple parts of this movie that, again, I know what I'm buying. I'm buying a, a buddy film slash road trip slash chase movie. But there are things in the movie that do just drive me a little crazy. And I'll just list them since we're, we're, we're dealing with this issue right up front. You know, at the beginning, Robert De Niro's character goes to his buddy at the police department and says, hey, give me Mardukas' file. Voila, he's got a phone number on the back. De Niro's got, character is the only person who happens to call this phone number to track down this friend who and and Tate and wiretap the number so he can then listen in so he can find the Duke. The FBI, if you think about it, really comes off as pretty pretty moronic in that sense. And I don't know, Jeff, if if you saw a guy and you were sitting in a beat up van outside of the bail bondsman. And you were wiretapping his phone, and then you saw his sidekick, oh, I don't know, after the third time running to a payphone, don't you think you'd tap the payphone, too, to see who does he keep calling? <laughs> Maybe, There yes. were things like that that I, 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 can, I can ignore. I noticed them a lot in this movie when I watched it this time, and it's okay. Again, they don't drive me crazy because the characters make the movie, and that's, and that's why I enjoy the movie. Don't look at the plot too deeply. The plot is let's just get from point A to point B and see how the characters evolve and what happens to the characters. And I see what you're saying. I mean, like I said, you can you can kind of dissect this movie down in terms of plot holes and things like that. Again, this isn't one of those but, movies I think you can do that with because, again, it's a comedy. And right. comedies, you can't do that. It was, there's contrived issues to drive the plot. Right. And again, I mean, it doesn't... It doesn't drive me crazy like another movie that, and Jeff referenced, we'll, we'll get to a few weeks from now where I just want to bang my head against the table um, with some contrived plot holes that you could drive a starship through. Um, but in any case, it, uh, it's, it's a fun movie. And, I, you know, the other thing I really enjoy about it is the writing. I, I like the writing in this movie. I like the interplay between the characters. I like the, the the back and forth, the way Yafit Koto and Robert De Niro's character go back and forth. I like some of those lines and some of those interchanges. Dennis Farina steals the movie for me every time he's on. And, you know, God, talk about a guy playing type. We just, he played <laughs> the same type of character in Snatch. I mean, Dennis Farina plays Dennis Farina playing Dennis Farina, who needs milk because he's got an ulcer. <laughs> uh, thank you. And a few weeks ago when we did Snatch, you know, you, you know, Mark, I mean, Steve, you, uh, you made reference that, you know, Dennis Farina plays pretty much the same person in Midnight Run. And, and, and that's, that's true. In my opinion, I mean, there, there is not enough time for him on the screen here. Yeah, he, he, he's just, he's just one of those actors you really enjoy. You know, some people really enjoy De Niro and, you know, they can watch De Niro all day long, maybe all weekend long. I don't know. They just really enjoy Robert De Niro. I get it. I, you know, Dennis Farina, just a little, just not that much time on the screen. Just, I wish I would have got a lot more of him, especially, you know, chasing across the country instead of sending the henchmen. I would have rather have seen that because the henchmen, you know, they, they were okay. And, and again, I'm going to, I just want to, you know, say this. It, if, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike this movie. It was just, it was, it was just, it dragged at points. There are some, Again, the supporting cast in this movie, I think, is really good. Um, Yafet Kodo and Dennis Farina, there's just not enough time of him. Um, you know, even, even Marvin, to a point, is, is really enjoyable to watch, as ridiculous and over the top as this is. And, and you're right, Mark, that this movie, you, you can't really scrutinize this from a sense of trying to make sure that the plot stands up because it doesn't really intend for it to. This is just having a fun ride along the way. And I got that. Um, that's not my issue with the movie. You know, I don't even care. I, you know what? I didn't even analyze the, the plot holes in this movie. I think you guys analyzed those far more than I did. I really wanted to go along for the ride. And when it was all said and done, I just thought, well, you know, it just the main characters fell flat, but everybody else did pretty well. And it was fun watching them. And Mark, you're, you know, you, you go to the, to the writing. Oh, the writing was, 
was fairly well done. I know what they were trying to do here with the situational comedy because it wasn't well. There what there okay there was some Three Stooges comedy in here, and I didn't appreciate it. But I get the situational comedy. I I know it was done okay. Um, there's nothing I think terrible about this movie. This is not a bad movie, but it just didn't. I, I, it just didn't deliver what I was hoping it would, but at the same time, I wasn't I, I wasn't despondent to it because I didn't build it up to be something huge and gigantic in my head. So, in other words, what you were what you were basing your opinion on was the uh, rave reviews that I gave it prior to the show, right? Yes. You know what? Yes, uh, I did. I can understand that. I because, and, and here's here's the deal, Steve. You and I have have fairly similar taste in movies. I mean, all all four of us are somewhat close. We all fall on the you know sort of you know sort of in this mid range. We're not too far left, not too far right. And you know, you and I probably like more similar movies than than maybe the other guys in the group. And and so I just thought I would really enjoy this movie because you've turned me on to some good movies that I have enjoyed, and I've turned you on to some movies that that you've enjoyed, and. If you rate this a nine or an eight and a half, I'm I'm probably going to be a point and a half, maybe two points lower than you. Mm. No, I understand. Um, right now, I want to move off a of plot. I want to talk about the actors in this movie, and uh, we talked about De Niro and uh, Grodin a little bit. I want to talk about some of the side actors that uh, we mentioned, and uh, Yafikoto is one. The only other thing I've really seen him in, um, I, I take that back. I've seen him a couple other things, but. This is Parker from Alien, the original Alien, 1979. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. When you watch this movie, did it sound like he had like a like a swollen tongue or something like that? Because I, Mark, you're you're not in your head because I, I'm sitting here thinking it's like every time he started talking, I'm like, did did you get stung by a bee? Because it almost sounds like he had a mouthful of cotton when he was talking, and that's not how he normally talks. No, it sounded like he his tongue was two sizes too big for his mouth. Okay, that's what I thought too. All right, I was the same way. That doesn't take anything away from his role and and his deadpan. It just it just struck me because you're right. I, I thought, what is he trying something here? And I agree with you guys. I, I think he was intending to do something because you know when when we saw him in Alien, he was sort of this kind of animated character. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, I mean, he is he's very much that authoritarian FBI agent who is going to maintain his calm because that's what his training has taught him to do. And in the process, I mean, he, he just, he just, I, I think it's his portrayal as, um, of the character. I just love the fact that you could see him maybe in about two scenes where he doesn't have those sunglasses on. <laughs> and I just, I mean, and they really kind of made a big part about the whole sunglasses thing. And, one thing that I, I love about this movie is when you look back, it was made in 1988. And the scene when they got in the car, all, you know, when the FBI agents, you know, pushed De Niro in the car and they all had those sunglasses on, I'm thinking, Yafet Koto had some pretty cool sunglasses. But the two guys that were sitting next to him, where the hell did they get those things? <laughs> those were just stupid. But it, I don't know. I thought Yafet Koto's partness was. I don't know, it seemed a little flat. Maybe it's just because it's different than the other roles I've seen him in. He almost seemed robotic in the movie. Almost like reading his lines off of a, off of a uh, chalkboard or something like that. It just didn't seem like he was really in... I, I wouldn't say he's into the movie, but it was almost like he was, he was in a role that he wasn't really ready for or he didn't develop himself for. That was kind of my impression of it. Anyway. I didn't necessarily get that. He's done a lot of stuff after this movie, and he did a lot of. I, I think this is really his first portrayal as somebody in a, in a position of authority, um, and and maybe that's just the way that he thought he should play this role. Um, very very stiff and deadpan. Because when you see a lot of FBI agents on, you know, in, in you know, pick your movie, you know, they're they're all in suits and they're all very stiff and they're all very professional. And you know, maybe, maybe that's just the you know the, the way that he wanted to portray this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I didn't really have a problem with it. When I think of FBI agents, I always think of Tommy Lee Jones, and um, oh no, well, he's a U.S. U.S. Marshal. But, but again, the same thing in the sense of you know these are professional law enforcement officers, U.S. Marshal, 
you know, FBI agent, you know, it, you know, it's title. They all handle themselves, you know, very professional. They're all working in suits, and they all have a very, you know, a certain demeanor about them that is very businesslike and very calm. Uh, and I'm not going to throw, you know, I'm not going to draw parallels between Fox Mulder or anything, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, I think it was just his portrayal. I really didn't have a problem with it because he, he just, I'll tell you what, he was on, he, he was, he was trying to be intimidating, I think, throughout the movie. And that's what he was going for. And I thought it was pretty humorous, just the way that, you know, it, it kind of fit into the, I don't want to say the over-the-topness of the movie, but he was definitely filling a role, and, and I thought he did a fairly decent job at it. I'll just echo uh, Jeff on that. I think he was just going for a role. He was going for this reserved kind of character, and it was that's how he wanted to play it, and he played it. And I don't think it's his best role, but I do enjoy him when he's on screen, and he he's consistent. It's not. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. He didn't mail it in. He's definitely not sleepwalking through this. It's just the type of character he's portraying, and right. how he chooses to portray it. Right. Other guy I want to talk about real quick is uh, John Ashton. He played uh, Marvin Dorfler, and the only movies that I can really remember him from were the uh, uh, the two Beverly Hills Cop uh, movies that he played the uh, uh, one of the detective sidekicks from Judge Reinhold. You can't get more uh, Laurel and Hardy than those two guys. And I did enjoy him in this movie. I thought he played a great part in this movie. I think he was more animated in this. He was more into it. Um, I just loved his role. He's a lot of fun. I mean, he's the comedy foil, and he accepts that role. You know, Marvin, look, huh, bam. (laughs) Marvin, look, huh, bam. Marvin, huh. Bam. Oh, sorry, wait, I was supposed to say look, and then bam. Um, and, and that's fine. I enjoy him because he's just, he, he's the one smart guy in the movie. He's smarter than Robert De Niro in the sense he doesn't put up with Charles Grodin's crap. Right. I'm going to get you on a plane. Yeah. Oh, you're telling me you can't fly? Oh, yeah. yes, you are. I'm going to pop you in the jaw, yeah. and then just, you're going to fly home. Yeah, you're going to sleep on the way, and he just yeah. knocks him out. He's not. That, that's the thing. The De Niro character is this. This. Um, how shall I put it? I'm not a little too kind bounty hunter for trying to get somebody back who's going to give me a hundred grand. I'm sorry. I'm going to pump you full of sodium pentothal or do whatever to shut you up to get me home. And I love that about uh, about Martin Marvin. He just does it. But you know. But you know what, Mark? You brought up a good point right there. That. That's what Marvin would have done. But you got to remember, De Niro was a Chicago cop. And you were still looking at a guy who used to be a cop. The only reason that he left the police department is because he wouldn't take a payoff. You're talking about a guy who's got morals or ethics, mm-hmm. both. And he's not going to do that stuff. He's not going to shoot somebody he doesn't have to do. He's not going to break the rules even to get a payoff. Because remember, he even said, remember when he was sitting in there, Groden said, I'll give you 200 grand to let me go. He said, I never took a payoff of my life and I'm not going to start with a guy like you. Which meant it didn't matter. You could give this guy all the money in the world. He wasn't going to do it because he still had a moral code. So he wasn't going to do what Marvin would do. So with him, it's like, yeah, he's not going to just knock this guy off. I mean, I think Dorfler was, I mean, he was your basic bounty hunter. I mean, he would have no compunction of shooting you up with sodium pentothal or doing anything that he had to do to get his payoff. So, again, that was the difference between the two. You saw that as the movie progressed, is you learn more about De Niro and what he was like. That, that is one of the things I enjoyed about De Niro's character, is, is he had a code. I love when writers write in a certain code that characters um, that characters will demonstrate on the screen. I really enjoy that. And you, you, you hit a, a high point on De Niro's portrayal in this movie. He is a law enforcement officer at heart in the purest sense, and he, he believes in law and order. He's doing a job to get by. He's going to do it to the best of his ability, and he's going to do it within the means of the law. Yeah, you know, he might have to slap some people around, but he's he's not going to do anything that is really criminal in a sense. And and I thought that was fun because he's he's trying to play within the rules and, and he's trying to do it the right way. And Marvin's just you know well you know you know the ends justify the means. Um, but it you know it I I, I enjoy that 
Uh, and that was something that, that, that was pretty good. Let's see. Who else? What other act? Oh, geez. Dennis Farina. As far as I'm concerned, best actor in the movie. Well, at least next to Robert De Niro. I mean, Dennis Farina is, um, well, he's Dennis Farina. He plays the same part that he did in Snatch. And um, he plays a mobster. And I thought he did a great job. Got plenty of sound clips for him. It's going to be fun. Steve, I, I really like uh, Dennis Farina. But, you know, between, I, I think it's really between, in my opinion, uh, on who steals the show, it's between Dennis Farina and, um, uh, and, and another character I don't think that gets enough screen time is uh, Joe Pantolonio. You really think so? I thought he got quite a bit of screen time. I mean, he, he he's got, no. I, I mean, if I think if you if you do a stopwatch on the time that he spends on the screen, he's probably got ten minutes. It's not that long, I don't think. You you see him in the in the parts All where right. the, you know the where the plot kind of twist, you know, because there this movie is really about plot twist. There's tons of plot twists. There's lots of double crossing. There's counter espionage going on here. I mean, there's all. I mean, there's side plots all over the place in this movie. And and he's sort of sort of in the thick of it, you know, between the FBI tapping his phones and, you know, the guy that's working for him is also working for uh, the the mob boss. And, you know, and you got the FBI chasing these guys around too. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of parallel lines that are running here all the, you know, it's a chase movie and it's a buddy movie at the same time. And and I don't think Joe's on the screen that much as Eddie Muscone. But when he's on there, he is so over the top. I think he does. It, 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 that's, the, that's the character that he is usually casted for. You saw him in the same character in the Bad Boys movie as the police chief, which I just loved. You know, and, and I enjoy the first Bad Boys movie. After that, it goes terribly wrong. Joe does. I think it's a great job. It's the same character just a few years later. You know, but those, those are the two that I think steal the movie. And they're just not on the screen enough, in my opinion. Mark, what say you? I don't think he gets enough opportunity to develop the character, Frank. He goes from screaming, you lost the guy, to screaming, you found the guy. And I wish we had seen more of him in between. And you kind of get that at the front end, Mm -hmm. where he's trying to two-time De Niro's character, and then when he jerks uh, Marvin around. Uh, I I like him as a character actor quite a bit. And I think that he, he used what limited screen time he had to the best effect, but I don't think he had enough, and I don't think he was able to do anything with the character other than yell at the phone, and, and it would have been more enjoyable to see him do do something. I would have liked to have seen that character develop more. Uh, he did a great job with what little screen time, what little material he had. He just didn't have enough material to really make it make it anything more than what it was, which was a foil to drive the plot. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about trivia. Uh, there's some good stuff about this, and Robert De Niro, being the method actor that he is, spent time with bounty hunters as part of his preparation for this role. Go figure. Uh, no, well, shot. you know what? You know what? This was this was about you know five or six years before a lot of those reality shows. So I, you know, nowadays they just watch TV. Dude, this is more like 20 years before those reality shows. So oh, this is 88. You're right. It was. I'm thinking 98. Uh, Charles Grodin has permanent scars resulting from the real handcuffs he had to wear for the great deal of the film. Go figure that. Poor guy. Yeah, you know what? The whole... How much do you get paid for this? Shit. You can put those on me for... Well, you know what? I do that for free. Anyway. um, Um, I'm sorry. The famous litmus configuration scene was mostly improvised. And you can tell. I thought most of this movie was improvised. Well, the whole boxcar scene was improvised, wasn't it, Steve? Yes, the the boxcar scene with the um, how would you like to have sex with that chicken part was all made up by. <laughs> yes, folks, that's in the movie. <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's. Again, when chicken sex comes out, you, you got to start wondering about the show. No, it's just it's one of those things where I think they were getting tired, and Charles Grodin was trying to lighten the mood. All right, the F-bomb is used exactly 119 times in this movie. That's 119 times less than cigarette smoking, which is about 288 times. You know, I was wanting to bring that up here, that this this really reminds you of the world that we used to live in, where you could smoke anywhere. 
planes, yes. trains, automobiles, casinos, restaurants, restaurants yeah. and you can still smoke in casinos. Can still smoke yes, in yes, casinos. you can. That's yes. why I don't go to casinos. It's the sole reason. It doesn't matter to me. I can. I'm, I'm a gambling junkie. So, but you know, I love the scene towards the end when um, uh, Dorfler goes to the airport, and he's got the cigarette in his hand. It, it's like hanging out of his mouth, and the guy goes, will that be smoking or non-smoking? And goes, <laughs> take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, we might be the last generation that knew what it was like to be on a smoking flight. And thank God those days are behind us. Mm. Amen. I never noticed. And at restaurants. Thank God it's not at restaurants anymore. What I really enjoyed is a restaurant when they said, you want to smoking or non-smoking? You're like, okay, well, how about non-smoking? And they put you. And what what separates you between the smoking and the non-smoking section is like a fern. Okay? Right. That's it. As I light my pipe. This little plant that's like separating the smoking and non-smoking section. Well, it's sucking up the carbon monoxide. There. I wonder if it, you know, had any sort of genetic defects from the secondhand smoke. Because I know I've got them. That's well, my third eye. Speak, speaking of genetic defects, this movie would have been a massive genetic defect. <laughs> if they had allowed Cher to be cast in the De Niro role, as was originally considered. You know, I just need to get a Cloverfield roar. That's what I need to get. Back me up on this, guys. Share, really? Oh. Uh, it was a testament of the time. This is really a time capsule. I like this one. And this may explain uh, his voice in the movie. Yafet Kato was suffering from a fever almost the entire involvement of the movie. So, Oh, well, come on. Okay. I get it. All right. How long was this movie being filmed? Uh, 48 hours? Charles Grodin said the script was the best he ever read. Well, well, have you seen what else Charles Grodin's in? I like Charles Grodin. Moving yeah. along. Uh, like you, but I want to see you in a movie. Thanks. Right. No, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, I'd rather no, see no, you. No, no, no. That's see, fine. No, no, that's fine. You wound you I want to see you me. on stage plays. You know, that's what I want to see you on with your theatrics. You wound I, my heart with monotonous languor. Thank you for stealing my lime, because that was my next one. I didn't want to jump in, but you know what? I'm just going to get my lime shovel and drive over to his house. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's three hours away for you. All right. Okay. Um, since we're done with trivia and we've talked about, a little bit about the movie, we have to go to, gentlemen, what you drinking? Is it what you sipping? What you drinking? Are what you, are you drinking? you seriously pulling that on me now? Now I gotta deal with you. Just curious. The public has a right to know. Oh God. Bravo. I can't. Oh, you're oh you're encouraged too. That's it. It's it's as if I set him up. Two graves to dig. <laughs> if you can take your hand out of my back, uh, the public has oh done its job. <laughs> We've got to do a best of Struther Martin. You know, I don't always drink when I do a podcast, but when I do. They're not going to rob you going up the mountain. You don't have any money. <laughs> we got to do that one. <laughs> Think you're using enough dynamite there, Butch? <laughs> you killed the host. Oh my God! You know I. I'll tell you. Rules in a fucking up my podcast. <laughs> when we when we finally get to brother, what you sipping or drinking or schlocking or whatever, it'll all explain what's going on with me. I think. Hey Jeff. Jeff. Yes. Jeff, say one, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, go. Pow. <laughs> oh, you know. I was rooting for you, Butch. We we've got to do that movie soon. Oh my gosh! All right, all right. In three, two, one. Brother, what you drinking? Jeff's got his thumbs up. I always go first. You always have to go first. All right, fine. I'll go first tonight. 
I was thinking outside the box today. You know what? We cranked up the humidity here, and I said, you know what? And, well, really, my forks and knives are all dirty, so I decided to go with something uncharacteristic for me. And I went with the uh, Three Philosophers Belgian-style blend. And it is a, it, it's an, um, it's a cherry ale. It is, uh, is that a Chicago? I, is that the, where, I, I, I do not know where these guys are out of because I can't. Cooperstown, New York, actually. Mm. Cooperstown, New York. It, it has a slight aftertaste. I don't find it as pungent as some other people, but, uh, it, it definitely has a slight cherry. It's 98% ale and 2%, um, cherry. And, um, it it um, it's got a, ni- a nice blend to it, and um, it, it does have a little bit of an aftertaste, but I don't think it's that bad, uh, especially if we just keep drinking it. But um, this this Jim Dandy comes in at nine point eight. Jeff, did you ring the bell on a, on us with that one now? Is that the uh, highest alcohol content you've consumed? No, the the one I did a few weeks ago, the the Doris the Destroyer was a 10.4. Oh, that's right. We put a rule in you can't drink anything over 10% alcohol by volume at a right. podcast. So, no, I'm cutting, no, there's I'm no cutting it close to 9.8. There's no rule against that. Actually, he's raised, he's the, the, he has raised the bar. <laughs> It, it's not that. It's just that he goes so far into a ditch, we can't find him and get him out. You know, if I want to go, if I want to go over the ten, here's my, here's what I do. I just I just come out of the, uh, I come out of the I come out of the penalty box right there with my Woodford. I just got it right here. I just throw a couple ounces in that, buddy, and we're good. You know what? I'll be right. And back. I don't even do the math at that point. All right. Give me twenty minutes. I'll be at Jeff's house. <laughs> You'll, you'll kill that bad boy because it's about a third of the way down. You need to finish it. <laughs> Shit, that's that's all you got. How, how long have you had that bottle? Uh, I mean, I just opened it tonight, Steve. Oh, Come tonight. on. <laughs> well done, my good man. Well done, my best one. I've had this here for a month. I'd come over there and clip off a man card and take a tow or something. All right, Mr. Slover, what do you got? Well, let's hear it. I thought that the weather would change and hold to the nice cool temps we had and damn you weather channel you went and decided to jack the humidity and the heat back up but nonetheless i'm still going to enjoy my samuel adams oktoberfest awesome you cannot go wrong with oktoberfest from sam adams one of the best beers that they make absolutely beers awesome best one all right ken what you drinking ken what do you got let me guess. Rum and diet. But where have all the rum gone? <laughs> drink all the rum. That means there's only vodka left. Um, what are you doing? I've got plenty of vodka. I just didn't want it tonight. Hmm. I'm a hmm. man of many tastes, a renaissance is this... man. This is the tail end of my Malibu coconut finishing off the bottle. That sounds Boy. sweet and sticky. Steve, is that Polish vodka you were holding up? That was Polish vodka. That was so ah. vodka. Made great potatoes of Poland. Because what did you say once? All Polish food is built upon a dare. It is all built upon a dare. Grandmother, I live right next door, God rest her soul, made some great Polish food. And I have to admit, when I watch her cook, I'm like, do you guys really <laughs> eat that stuff? <laughs> and some of it's good. Some of it's like, you ain't, you could not get me. To, I mean, I'll, I'll eat, I'll become cannibal before I eat that stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the duck's blood. Mm. Remind me not to be around at that point. No, there's some good Polish food. Although the one, my favorite one is... Um, no, I'm talking about you going cannibal, all right? Oh, no. I'm scrawny. What I don't have much meat on me. Oh, you're scrawny? Oh, shit, man. Dude, I could live off you for a month. Hold on. <laughs> all right, give, me, give me 20 minutes. <laughs> my turn. All right, this one's for Jeff. I really like the Hoppin' Frog. I'm telling you, we're going to Ohio, my friend. We have to go to this brewery because I'm hooked, and um, I don't. They, they have to have a cover tab before you get in that brewery because it's so expensive. <laughs> it, this one six point two percent, and let me tell you something. I think they kind of fudged the uh, alcohol content on it, but I'm drinking so <laughs> and it is delicious. 
The silk board is very good, as you can see. No light passes through that. It's like mm -mm. it's like it's a, a black hole. hole. It's a black hole. Uh, it's very good. I'm brewed by our good and dear friends in Ohio. Uh, let's see. It's dark, robust, and silky smooth. That is no bullshit, folks. With many flavors of roasted, toasted caramel malts, uh, the porter is an old world beer style, so popular that it helped start the Industrial Revolution. Taste the history. You know, how, what was it? Is it like two and a half hours to Akron? We should go. Uh, we should. Akron? That's, is that where it's no, in? no, 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 no. It's two and a half hours to Dayton. Oh, Akron's another hour. It's two and a half hours, but well, you know what? If there's hopping frog in our in our in our sights, we'll make it in two and a half slower. You know what? I think we need to do, Steve. I think you need to call Hoppin' Frog and see if they'll sponsor this podcast because we keep schlepping their beer. <laughs> I should. I should tell them about how much. They well, know. after they hear us, they may want to say, "Please stop mentioning <laughs> us." <laughs> stop mentioning our products. I mean, you know what? It looks like they've got four. Uh, 11 different beers. There's a ton, and they're good. I mean, I have to admit, I mean, they're pricey, and ladies and gentlemen, it's pricey beer, but if you like a good beer, oh, my goodness gracious. Good. This stuff is good. Yeah. Oh, see, you know what? The night we did Casino Royale, I should have found their barrel-aged Boris Royale. Oh, really? They have, oh, my gosh. They also have a Frosted Frog Christmas Ale and a Belgian-style double IPA. Ooh. Yeah, we may have to make a trip to Akron. Um, they they also have barley a, wine. I won't do barley wine. Ooh, they have they've a, got a they've got a fall beer, a pumpkin ale. Oh, yeah. right. won a gold medal. I am so there for a pumpkin ale. And they have a hop heathen imperial black ale. Ooh. They have a rye IPA. They got a wheat too. I mean, right now, right next to Sam Adams, these guys are my uh, they're my go-to beer. Although I have to give my Stone Boys a credit. Stone Brewery, mm -hmm. my top three. Those are that, that's there. So someday, Steve, you and I will we'll cruise over to the uh, um, to the uh, Flat Twelve Breweries uh, Beer Works over here in downtown Indianapolis, and we'll uh, you can let you check them out. Cool, very good. All right, so now that we've known what we're all drinking, we're going to move on to clips, our favorite part of the show. But, uh, we've got a bunch of clips on this one because, folks, this movie's a clip fest. So I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm going to start this one out with my favorite Dennis Farina line. Let me tell you two stupid mother or something. <laughs> get another phone call like this because if I do, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to blowtorch the both of you. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, I, that, Is this more on number one? Put more on number two on the phone. <laughs> get a sandwich and a cream soda. Relax. All right, here we go. Because Jeff just mentioned that, we're going to play this one here. I'm sorry. Yeah? Is this moron number one? Put moron number two on the phone. <laughs> See? I already had him. You, you know, yeah. and you could, we could have a Dennis Farina Fest where you could just interchange between Snatch and this movie. Oh, Mark, that's genius. You really could because he was brilliant. Oh. All right. Uh, I love this one. This is when... Um, they get on the plane. This is when Charles, or Jesus, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin is freaking out on the plane because Charles doesn't like to fly. Man, don't pull that shit on me. No, 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 no. I'm telling, telling you, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I can't. These things go down. All right. These things go down. They go. It's too big. It's too big. It can't go up. This is the perfect follow-up to that line. What the f are you smiling about? I love to travel by train. Oh yeah. What do you think this is? A class trip? Are you always this angry? Hey, look, right now I'm in a great f***ing mood. You wait till I'm cooped up on that thing for a while, and you're not going to be smiling. You're going to be running for the f***ing jail cell. <laughs> I just love the part where he locks him in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the thing I loved about Charles Grodin's character is all through the movie, he's giving him, like, these, you know, these, these, these life... Like, like he's a life coach or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's he's like he's doing the seven along. habits of. You know, you should you should really stop that. <laughs> you know, if you if you would like, I can outline a complete balanced diet for you. <laughs> Just you know that that that's the one thing I like about the way they they wrote in Grogan's character is is the voice of like like the big brother the the life coach along the way. You know, you know, you should really stop smoking. You really don't need that stuff. 
It's like listening yeah. to Tony Robbins. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right. Here, here's a, here's another great Dennis Farina line. I'm going to tell you something. I want this guy taken off. I want him taken off fast. You and that other dummy better start getting more personally involved in your work, or I'm going to stab you through the heart with a f***ing pencil. Do you understand me? <laughs> it's the same as Snatch. Is only not in this movie enough. I'm telling you. <laughs> We've got 60% of his lines right there. <laughs> I'm going to stab you through the heart with a pencil. All right, you know what? <laughs> No, because I've got one more. Hold on. Oh, I hope he knows too much. You should have told Walsh in Chicago a long time ago. Don't say a word to me, Sydney. Don't say a f-ing word to me. I'll get up and I'll bury this telephone in your head. <laughs> my, I'm glad you did not get my closing line because I was going to scramble to get my closing line from him. Oh, you know, you, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, this is um, God. I don't even know what all this clip is. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play it. The guy's a burnout, Sydney. Hey, Jimmy, Sydney, me, sit down, relax, have a sandwich, drink a glass of milk, do something. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> oh, God, I got him. Did I get you? Cool? Did I? Get you got him. He's yes. out. Oh, oh shit! Like I got one more from him. I'm like, oh, he didn't get it. He did not get it. You know Make what? Make yourself I a sandwich, know. drink a glass of milk, do some fucking thing. <laughs> You know, oh, what? We, we, well, yes. I'm gonna have to start coordinating this with you guys. Nah, don't. It, it's half the fun of us not knowing what the hell you got. All right, this is after they've been bonding at this point. This particular quote here, uh, you literally have to see the image, but it's great. This is um, uh, Eddie Moscone getting really violent on the phone, and uh, uh, Robert De Niro getting equally violent. And then his expression afterwards. Watch the movie, you'll appreciate it. Listen to me, Jack. You gotta be back here in less than two and a half days. A half million dollars of my money. What the f is going on there? Eddie, 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 I swear to God, don't start with me now, or I will shoot him and I will dump him in a fing swamp. And, and the best part is De Niro looking at Groden and what he does when he looks at Groden. He just looks at Charles Groden. He just shakes his head like, I didn't mean that. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of which... Also suffer from macrophobia and claustrophobia. I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like you, Michael. (laughs) And in homage to Jeff's intro in this, we're going to play this one. Yeah, hey, everyone. Yeah, hey. (laughs) What's that? It's hello. I can say hello in a lot of different languages. Not yours, but a lot of them. Not yours. <laughs> Not yours. Oh, man. All right. Here, here's, I love this other one, too, because, um, oh, gosh, this is, oh, yeah, this is when they're getting chased by the mobsters in the helicopter. Where the hell did he go? You think we lost him? I don't know. I don't see anything. Oh, I'm sure we're completely safe. Right after that helicopter, like, rises over the ridge and just starts spraying him with machine gun fire. And you guys are two of the worst bounty hunters ever. And I You couldn't that. even deliver a bottle of milk. <laughs> I mean, and what? the best part is you've got to see the movie to appreciate Charles Grodin's facial expressions. That's what sells it. You know what? Here's the thing. I maybe I should rewatch this movie with 9.8 in my system because it's becoming funnier <laughs> as we talk about it. But maybe I just need the 9.8 in my system. That's just it. All right. Uh, last <clears throat> one here. This is um, God. I love this part. This is after one of the scenes when uh, Robert De Niro does the go. It does the whole Marvin. Marvin, look out! Knocks him out. Next thing you know, uh, Dorfler wakes up handcuffed. Yeah, that's right down here. Stand there with your thumb up your ass, and you're gonna get me the f- out of here. <laughs> the music in this movie is perfect. It's you know, it's, oh, it, it, I hate the music in this movie. I hate the music in this. Okay, it you know what? Is. Right, let's just jump over. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about oh, oh, with the twangy bad '80s guitar and horns. 
This oh, this God. is quintessential 1980s bad original soundtrack music. It's like they told some dude, all right, we're going to give you $5,000, go in this room, get on a keyboard, and just start cranking out sound, and then we're going to put it in a movie. It is so, it is so bad. Go find the guy who who got booted by Black Sabbath because he couldn't do a chord change and stick him in here to play guitar. You know, it, it's very reminiscent of, I think to a point, Blues Brothers. But for some reason, Blues Brothers was able to pull it off. Oh, wow. Dude. Oh, Blues Brothers is great. Oh. The music oh. makes that movie. Well. Oh, 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 Stop right there. If we have to review Blues Brothers and you're going to talk about the soundtrack, you and I are going to be in the same room. <laughs> we can't. We can't be in the and same room because we'll be on Skype and they will actually witness the murder. So uh, have that happen. I tell you what, I'm going to do the penguin scene, and I'm going to beat him to death with the ruler. I'll hold him down. All right. So we have completely trashed the soundtrack of this movie, and that's okay because there really wasn't one. So we're going to something new and different for the Man Cave Movie Review. It's called Our Checklist. Oh, Before dear. we give this movie the review, we have to go down our checklist. Number one, did anyone jump through a plate glass window? In this movie, oh no, um, no, nobody did. No, okay. no. Well, I'm just checking. All right, number two. Was there an irrelevant female role in this movie? Were there any females in this movie except for the waitress? No, the ex-wife and the daughter, but they oh, were relevant. yes, but they were re- fairly relevant. Were they? Because if you took that scene out, would we get anything besides character the development? The car. Okay, the car. Yeah, we could have wrote something in. They could have just found it on the side of the road with a sign that says, Take me. It's just me. Okay. All right. Next one. Yes, the answer to that question, Steve, is no, there was not. Okay. Uh, could the female role be played better by Tony Katane? <laughs> Without question. Yes. You know, given the time period, Steve, I've got to say yes. 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 <laughs> it was 1988. Absolutely. Just, where's the white snake intro right there? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh huh. I'm afraid to do this. Lost <laughs> <laughs> our host. We killed the host. All right. Did this movie know what it wanted to do? <laughs> what? So funny. Killed Jeff. He's gone. All I've got is gray screen. I know. I think I, it's God. The effect on that one. And ah. This is a checklist, ladies and gentlemen, that will be built up over time. I just started doing this now because I figure after six months, yes, six months of Mackey movie reviews, we have developed enough um, stuff where we can actually start doing a checklist. Uh, does this movie know what it wanted? <laughs> I would say yes, it did. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Oh, I would agree. <laughs> Jeff still. St- Jeff is still. You know, Steve. Uh, I don't know if this movie knew what it wanted to do or not. Okay, if it wanted to be a buddy movie or a. All right, shut up. Um, we're going to go on to the next. <laughs> I think he just. We, actually, we, we just, just lost him. <laughs> we just lost him. Wow, look at that. The force actually works. <laughs> I can't believe it. I got one last checklist to do, and that's... Oh, dear. Did George Lucas steal any part of this movie for Star Wars? You know what? He did. He stole the buddy role of Chewbacca and Han Solo from this movie wow. ten years later. Awesome. Uh, All right. So- uh, 
No, I clearly, uh, this movie came along. Well, you know what? I'm still thinking George Lucas could steal stuff from Star Wars now if he, if he had it in him. No. Wow. I think we're good. Wow. What a checklist. You got a, you got a uh, seriously good checklist there, Steve. I, uh, I like the addition to the show. Thank you. <laughs> that priceless. I hope you liked it. Uh, we will probably build on that as time goes on, but I thought it, it kind of encompassed what we are as a, uh, as a podcast. I'm All sure right, folks. So. I have to add, uh, did, did Steve have any drooling effects over uh, Mila Jovovich? Or oh, yeah, some? was there any drooling on Steve's part for... Was there any drooling over a female role in this movie? No. Yeah. Oh, no. No, what that should be. Well, that should I, be. Yes, it should be. Yes, it should be. For you, it should be. All right, were there any female... Actually, we're gonna, I'm going to write that up here right now. Uh, let's see. Did, yeah, did Steve drool over any of the... Uh, uh, that would be a no. All right, gentlemen, so that's it. What do we think, uh, gentlemen, Man Cave Movie Review? I am going to turn this one over to my good and dear friend, um, Jeff, and ask for your opinion on this movie. What do you think? Hey, thanks, Steve. Um, you know, this movie got better as we talked about it for me, and uh, I started consuming alcohol. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the night, you know, based on my lack of enthusiasm for it in general however uh, you know the the parts were greater than the whole i think and i i, I started this out at, at about a uh, at about a 6.9 but um, through talking about it and drinking my uh, 9.8 percent uh, alcohol by volume uh, three philosophers beer um, that thing rocketed up to a, a 7.1 man cave drawings awesome Alcohol can fix anything. Absolutely. All right. Got to shoot it over to my good and dear friend, Mark. What do you say, sir? Uh, this movie's fun. I enjoy it. Again, we've commented on a lot of great character actors. It's a road trip movie. Don't look too deep at it beyond that. Enjoy it for what it is. Check it out if you haven't seen it. I, I give it a seven and three quarters. Not one of my favorite comedies, but I do enjoy De Niro, and I especially enjoy uh, watching uh, Dennis Farina just do what Gen Dennis Farina does best. That never gets old. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, check it out. It is a fun movie. It's a, it's a, again, don't look too deep. Put your brain on wash and wear and just enjoy it for what it is. But it's seven and a three-quarter movie for me. Okay, good. Very good. I'll tell you what, folks. For me, this is a great movie. I love this movie. I love the comedy. I love the interaction between Groden and De Niro. I think this is uh, one of the better buddy movies that were made. Uh, I very much enjoyed this one. Again, the comedy is hysterical. It's a lot of situational stuff. It is a lot of the interaction between Groden and De Niro. I really like this one. I'm really kind of going way in above and beyond uh, the other reviews. I'm giving this one like an eight and a half. One of my favorites. If it's on the TV, I'm going to watch it. All right, folks, that's it for Man Cave Movie Reviews for this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we will be here next week. movie that we're not going to tell you about because we haven't figured out what we're doing again, so we don't want to uh, raise expectations. All right, so okay. check us out on our website at mancavemoviereview.com. That's www.mancavemoviereview.com. And we are also on iTunes. Uh, look for us there at Man Cave, all one word, Man Cave Movie Review. And if you like the show, leave us a comment. And if you didn't like the show, leave us a comment anyway and tell us why you didn't like the show. Is it because Jeff drinks too much? We, we keep talking about it. And I feel there's an intervention coming soon. We have to actually have a discussion with him. Anyway. Our goal is to improve this show because your satisfaction is our ultimate goal. So this is it. Your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my good and dear friend, Mark. Why aren't you popular with the Chicago Police Department? Slover. Hey, Steve. Great podcast. Let's celebrate. Do you want me to get some donuts? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you give me the, uh, the donuts with the... Uh, Frosted, chocolate frosted sprinkles on top. I like. Yeah, it. and I'll get a few of those apple fritters while I'm at it. Awesome, you're the Let's man. Celebrate. Let's get some donuts. Awesome. And also saying farewell and adieu is my other good and dear friend Jeff. 
I'll stab you in the heart with a f***ing pencil. Muncie. You're okay, Steve. I think under different circumstances, you and I probably still would have hated each other. Probably. Because I stole your quote, didn't I? Yes, you did. Son of a bitch. Alright, so folks, that's it. Hope you enjoyed the show. I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off. Hope to see you next week. Ciao. Charles Grodin says the uh, <laughs> words have meaning. Words have meaning. <laughs> oh, oh, we're going to a sour review. All right. All right. In three, two, one. Yeah. And I agree that he plays a certain character that is there for a certain reason. But I really enjoy that character, that very animated over-the-top, loud. Gosh, he reminds mm. me of somebody. Huh. Mm. I don't know. I'll put my finger... finger, finger. I think, I think fin- this is the same person who stuck his head in between Snow White's cloak <laughs> at an Care- event. Careful now. It's a <laughs> kid's show. It's the Wicked Witch. Okay. Oh, it was the Wicked Witch. It was my the- apologies. Even oh, better. Evil Queen. Evil Queen from... Oh, the Evil Queen. Yes. I succumbed to peer pressure... <laughs> Present company included. All right. I didn't make you do it. Ken didn't make you do it. Steve made you do it. No, seriously. All I said, I said, you know what would be funny? If I stuck my head right in there and while they were taking (laughs) pictures. Sorry, right where? I said I was going to stick my head right in that one little slot. And I was. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying, it was a joke. The next thing I know. Steve, hold on. What? We have to quantify what slot is here, okay? Because <laughs> slot... I, I was taking that the wrong way. ...is not slot. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> there was no credit card machine there, okay? <laughs> no bank. All I said was, I just... <laughs> no... Oh, well, you guys got all upset when it, when the stormtrooper guy was walking by with his girlfriend. I go, why do all the stormtroopers get all the hot chicks? And you guys were like, oh, my God, you're going to get us killed. Because stormtroopers kill people. Well, you know what? <laughs> unless, unless they're Ewoks. Well, yeah, that's a good point. You know what? All I had to do was throw you in front of me. He would have ran screaming. <laughs> Again? <laughs> I guess I could have taken out all the, the whole 501st Corps. <laughs> where where was my sling when I needed it? Where was all my I had to do, you know, stick? What it is. All I had to do was just like pick you up and hold you in front of me. You would have ran screaming. It would have been you like cross in front of a vampire. I just needed to paint my nose black, and I would have been there. <laughs> no, blue. You could have been one of the Wode uh, Ewoks, and that would have really... The Wode, uh, the Wode yeah. Ewoks. <laughs> and I could just growl at him. <laughs> wow. I would have tore their ankles up, man. That's Houdini! <laughs> I want to tell you something, Jeff, is when I woke up the next morning after that, I felt <laughs> like Mike Tyson beat the shit out of my abs. I don't think I've laughed that hard in years. You know. How many pictures are you in? Because, you know, they were standing <laughs> quite some time, and there were people just lining up, taking pictures, and at some point somebody is going to see it like... What is that face between the evil queen's legs? What is that's, the dwarf doing with the evil queen? Yeah. You know what I was thinking is they were going to say, how did Marty Feldman get in this picture? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Marty Feldman die? <laughs> if I could, if there just be a caption there that said, what hump? You know, see, now, now Mark, if I had had the 9.8 in my system, okay. Oh, God. Oh. I would have crawled on the floor, all right? No, and you'd have been sitting on her shoulders at that point. <laughs> I would have been, you would have strapped some wings on me, and I would have been a flying monkey. Oh, good Lord. <laughs>